find out who you are, embrace who you are, and then let that influence your life and your business. We often go into business, we build something compared, comparing it to somebody else's business or journey. We follow formulas we get from mentors and we just forget we have to align what we do to who we are. Welcome to the Level Up with KDB podcast. If you've ever wished you could get a glimpse inside the minds and lives of women who are masters at creating abundant and fulfilling lives and are ready to learn the secrets behind unlocking that in your own life, you're in the right place. Each episode, I and a series of guests uncover the secrets behind creating the life you can't stop fantasizing about. I'm Katie B, human design coach, airline pilot, CEO and crazy cat lady, and I am so happy to have you here. In today's episode, I'm talking to the extremely talented Ella Amzuku. Ella is a photographer, artist, architect, wife, and mother who believes in real connection and the beauty of emotions. Her portrait photography sessions are designed with passion, individuality, creativity, and great attention to detail, ensuring your visions and dreams are captured and transformed into something uniquely special. Today, she shares with us how a willingness to go with the flow and embrace opportunities that arose led her to accidentally falling into becoming an architect, and then how becoming a mum impacted her career and business goals. Ella is incredibly insightful and shares some beautiful tips into making manifestation feel more easeful. Settle in for a delightful episode. Ella Mzuku, thank you so much for joining us here on the Level Up with Katie B podcast today. Uh, so you and I met really recently <laughs> because I was referred to you by our mutual friend, Amanda Ewan from the Bounce Out of Bed podcast. And I was looking for a photographer to do my professional branding photo shoot. And Amanda was just so complimentary of both just you in general as a beautiful human, but also of your incredible creative and photography skills. So I was just so excited to work with you. And when we met for my initial consult, we just had the most fun and a really cool chat about all things life, parenthood, human design and business. So yes, I'm stoked to have you here and find out more about your business. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. And so Ella, you obviously now run your own photography business, but you actually started out as an architect, didn't you? Yes, that's right. Can you tell tell us about how you kind of got into architecture and then what the journey to, to starting your business looks like? Well, <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. Uh, I got into architecture almost by accident. Uh, I was studying arts and I was in year 12. I uh, decided to go to Bucharest with a friend um, to the university. Uh, the arts university and see a professor there would go through our portfolios, tell us what we have to work on so we can pass our admission exams. And uh, when I went, I stayed at some family friends uh, and uh, they had a son enrolled uh, to study architecture. And the guy was an architect himself. 
and they looked at my work and he, they said that uh, it's very good. It's also very technical and it would work great for architecture school. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I like design, but there is lots of math and I'm not great at that. <laughs> and because I have studied arts, uh, we didn't really do much math and physics and these kinds of subjects uh, in school. So um, I went and saw the professor at that school and he was very, very harsh. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And wasn't very complimentary of my work. Oh, I got shit. out of there in tears because oh. <laughs> I didn't expect such a blow. Mm. Uh, I'm fine with critique. I just didn't expect it to be so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was one of the best in my years. So that, that was quite hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the hallways, I uh, met a guy who used to be at the same high school as I was and had the same teacher. Uh, he was just quite a bit older and was already going there for uni. And he saw me upset and looked through my portfolio and said that it's actually really good. There are some things I have to work on, but it's possible that the professor just had a strategy because <laughs> he said, <laughs> well, it's very bad, but I can help you mm, okay. and teach you <laughs> ulterior uh, motive <laughs> how to do things um, and tutor you. So you can pass the admission exams. So yeah, it it was a bit of a strategy, but I just got out of there and I said, look, uh, I thought I'm good. I know I'm good, but if I have to work hard and come every weekend or every second weekend to Bucharest, which was about 500 kilometer uh, ride by train from the town I was studying arts in, I I don't know if I want to do this for painting and arts. I don't know if I want to do that with my life mm-hmm. maybe I should reconsider so uh, I went to um, our family friend's office straight away and said you know what the professor the architecture professor you were telling me about the tutor students for the admission exams I want to see him <laughs> so we went the same day and um, the guy said that I'm very good and uh, he's happy to have me for tutoring yeah, uh, and that's how it all started. I prepared for a year. I passed the exams, which was hard. And I think we'll get back to that <laughs> later mm-hmm. in the podcast. But yeah, that, that's how it happened. It was on a whim. It wasn't exactly planned, but I never looked back and I never regretted my decision. Amazing. And so did you feel that strong desire, that strong pull towards it at that stage? Or was it kind of, did it did it take some warming up to the idea? Uh, no, actually, I felt a pull just after I spoke to our family friend before seeing the arts professor. Uh, and I was surprised because I was fighting it mm-hmm. because math <laughs> yeah. and engineering. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't feel I was prepared for architecture, but I I was actually interested and I did feel a pull yeah. towards it. And when I started working on it, I went heads first. Uh, I was so into it and made progress really quickly. So it definitely felt like the right thing to do. And so you were in architecture for quite some time, right? How many years did you work uh, in the architecture realm industry, I guess is the correct word? 
Uh, well, I was in school for six years because that's how long it Holy takes. Holy shit, that's a long time. So did you get an architecture? What's a degree? Is it a degree? Uh, yes, it's different to here. So when I assessed it, uh, when moving to Australia, they gave me a master's degree here. Wow. Because it was just too much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Six years. That's incredible. Yes. And then so when you graduated, that's is that when you came to Australia? Uh, no, uh, I have worked in Bucharest for a few years, so about five to six years, if I remember correctly. And then uh, after I had my first child, when he was 20 months old, we arrived to Australia. Oh, wow. And you met your husband at university, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> so he's an architect as well? Yes, he is, and he's still practicing, unlike me. And so I would love to know, because obviously there has been a huge kind of pivot towards photography, and I would love to know what was the catalyst behind you deciding to become a photographer and then launch your own business? Well, running my own business, that was my goal since I was little. And I don't come from entrepreneurs. My my parents didn't have any kind of businesses them, themselves but this was my dream uh, I never wanted to work for someone else I wanted to build my own thing and I wanted to create something beautiful for other people and what I wanted to do changed throughout the years a few times <laughs> but <laughs> but my desire to have my own business didn't change that that was always the goal photography uh, that that was a sort of Similar to how I got into architecture, just just not as spontaneous. Um, so other people saw your talent and encouraged you? Is that how it happened? Sort of. I have been photographing since I was little. My dad loved photography and he got my first camera as a birthday present when I turned 10. Mm -hmm. So since then, I was the person carrying a camera around and just photographing mostly people. <laughs> And when we moved to Australia, I never before that considered not doing architecture mm -hmm. as my job, as my thing, as my business. Uh, I was pondering between interior architecture and architectural design, but I never considered anything else. Even though when I was doing architecture, it wasn't creative enough for me. So I was mm. always looking for a creative outlet to do something yeah. more. Well, when I was looking at your sort of portfolio on, I, I guess you would call it a portfolio on Instagram. It's a version of, <laughs> but when I was looking at your, the photos that you've done, it is extremely artistic, but in this really, you bring professionalism and, and creativity together to make the, the most beautiful images. So Obviously, your creativity kind of was like bursting out of you. But I wonder, in terms of going from architecture, where you had spent so long working to get your degree, your master's degree, and then obviously working in the industry for a while, was it hard for you to make a decision to then like leave all that behind and, and throw yourself into photography full time? It was hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still identify myself as an architect, even though I'm not practicing. I, I am sometimes working with my husband on his designs. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And we almost always brainstorm together on his designs. So I'm not too far removed from that profession. But because I have spent so much time in it and so much time in a school that was very tough to go through, uh, I it was part a big part of my identity. It's just when I chose that profession and when I was practicing it, I never considered how that would impact my family. I, I didn't know what that would mean. I mean, I had a different mindset around families, I suppose. And sometimes even when you know things about children and how you will feel when you'll have them before having them, when you do have them, when you are in that situation, things are just different. <laughs> It sounds like it was the the change in your home life that helped you decide to change direction to go into photography rather than continue in architecture. Yes, architecture is quite full on as a profession. There's lots of work involved, lots of responsibility uh, hanging on the architect. And I loved that. I didn't mind that. But when we came to Australia, we were really hoping that because we knew the life here is a bit more laid back than the life we were used to, we were hoping that uh, our profession will be same, a little bit more laid back. Uh, and when we came, I didn't start working right away because my son was quite young and we were planning to have another child. But my husband did. And we saw that it's not different to the industry back in Europe. And it's quite full on as well. And thought that it's a bit hard for us both to do this architecture, I mean. I mean, it, it could have worked. But I said the same bit of on a whim that uh, I regret not trying out photography professionally. And uh, a while after that, my husband surprised me with a gift, a camera. It was semi-professional but a very good one. And he said, well, look, you can have it and you can start learning how to photograph professionally. I have been doing it as a hobby, but it's it's obviously not the same thing. Or we will just have very beautiful professional family photos and then you'll see what you want to do when the kids are old enough. Oh my goodness. Uh, so that, <laughs> that's how I started learning. And uh -huh. it was my escape as a mom. The thing I was doing for myself and the thing that I loved doing, just photographing and studying when the kids were sleeping. It sounds like all your favorite things collided. So your creativity and your artistic eye, and you got to indulge in photography with no attachment to the outcome because your husband was like, yeah, let's give it a go and just see yes, what happens, just, see how much you love try it. it out. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And so you mentioned that obviously when your boys came along, life changed quite significantly. How did that impact you and your sort of vision for your career? Uh, it, my love with, with kids uh, looks I'm getting used to. And it, it was such a process, I couldn't resume that to just a few words or a few sentences. I went through phases. <laughs> yeah. So it was a roller coaster. You uh... it was definitely a roller coaster. I, I needed something that I could do part-time in a new country where I had no work experience. So doing something on my own sounded like the logical thing to do. Mm -hmm. Not <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, the logical thing to do is to go get a job and try integrate. Yeah. Yeah. So you had this drive to start your own business from way back and then your desire to have some space from the kids a little bit to have your own thing the thing that pushed you over the edge into committing full-time into photography is that right yes and honestly as you know I'm not a mum but I do know many mums many of my most of my friends are mums and I don't think you're alone in having that experience of a roller coaster when you know when your kids arrive and no matter how much you wanted them no matter how much you they are a joyful much loved experience in your life it takes away some of who you used to be right you turn into a new person you gain a new identity as a mum and so that does take time to get used to and I'm sure it's an ever-evolving process as your kids grow up and their needs shift then your relationship and their dependency on you shifts and so I can only imagine how that has kind of impacted you and your career and kind of juggling all of that at the same time. Yes, uh, and, you know, I can see a big trend on moms uh, starting out their own thing, a side hustle or full-blown business when they are at home with their children. And it's counterintuitive if you think about it because you think moms will stay at home, enjoy their motherhood, and then go back to work when their kids are old enough to do so. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think firstly, we feel a drive to find and build a new identity of who we are as mothers and as women after we have given birth. Uh, but there is also this, let's say it may not be a pressure, but it's our desire to earn a living and to earn at least some money. When we are at home, we don't like being completely financially dependent on our husbands. I think those times are gone. Yeah, well, actually, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'd love to have a look at your human design chart because there is a gate in human design that holds the energy for people that want to be really self-sustainable. And I actually have it in my chart. And so... I have always identified as being very independent. And so when my husband and I joined our bank accounts, I was like, oh, this is a bit fucking weird. But, you know, our relationship is very open and honest. And so is our financial sort of relationship. So I got used to that fairly quickly. But still, that idea of being self-sufficient has always been quite a motivator for me. So I hear that you feel that way as well. And I do think as well, though, that a lot of mums just want to have an outlet for themselves, you know, like have something other than thinking about their children's needs and wants 24-7. Having a job or a side hustle actually gives them space to turn off from that and an outlet for them to put into their creative endeavors, do you think? Yes, it's that. And also the fact that so many women are now educated. We have degrees, same as our husbands do. And Someone may argue that no one's making us stay at home with children, but when you have children, that's how you feel. It's really hard to leave your bundle 
of joy into someone else's hands to raise them. And then you feel this pull between wanting to raise your children, but also wanting to be a professional, wanting to build a career, wanting to build something else other than little humans. Yes. Well, I mean, it's interesting just on the back of International Women's Day, I was reflecting because I have a weird uh, almost rejection of days like International Women's Day, which I am almost certain has to do with my own. It's a projection of my own wounding and perhaps some intergenerational trauma as well. And the rejection comes from I get really annoyed at sentiments and polite platitudes and I think well we've still got so far to go in terms of women actually being treated and living as equals but then you know yesterday when I was reflecting on it I thought we've made so much progress women now are starting to realize that yes they can have it all but I think where we a lot of us are sitting is actually trying to figure out how we can have it all and balance it and not lose our minds from exhaustion and burnout and all those things that come with being a very well-rounded, multifaceted human. (laughs) Yes, that's right. It's funny you say that about International Women's Day because I grew up celebrating. It was a big thing in our culture, and even to this day, it's a public holiday in my country. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we did not have a Mother's Day. and men had a day for themselves for, for that celebrated them as well it was uh, at the end of february mm. uh, i won't i won't get into dates uh, they are very political and uh, me being from a former ussr country you could you, you can understand the political and historical background to this whole thing but i always thought that it's beautiful that we celebrate men and then sh- then shortly after we celebrate women and it was it felt equal. Yes, and that is the epitome of e- equality, right? Because I think sometimes in Australia and New Zealand as well, days like International Women's Day actually do more to highlight why we're so different rather than celebrate why we're so amazing. And the fact that you came from a country where where there was also an International Men's Day or, I mean, I guess a National Men's Day. National. National, yeah. That that to me is more equal. And it's not because I don't think women should be more celebrated. I think we should all be more celebrated every fucking day, not just one day. But equality means equality, right? Like, I don't know. Do you think it highlights the differences between us and Australia or do you think it has the same effect as it did in your home country? That is a very tricky question. I can see that International Women's Day has started being celebrated here since I came here. So it wasn't a thing a few years ago and it only became a thing recently and it's mostly in women in business circles. So it's not that widespread just yet. I do feel that we need to have a day when we celebrate men as well just the same as we celebrate women. I mean, there has never been much equality between genders Mm. and we can see that a lot. And for you, I I don't know how it feels for you because you are in a male-dominated industry. I used to be. And it's different here in Australia to back in Romania where I used to work, where you could actually feel it. But when it comes to celebrating, I mean, there, there has to be some balance. Yeah, I agree. 
as for working in a male-dominated industry, I think that is like a whole nother kettle of fish. I've honestly experienced a lot of support in my career from the men. In my, I mean, my husband's also a pilot. So, you know, I've got a lot of male support in my male-dominated industry, but I can see the systematic sort of uh, issues that were around historically and I can see the change in them. And that is why I actually think things like International Women's Day, I need to personally embrace with a little bit more zest because it's small changes like this that actually turn it into something bigger, something more tangible, something more sustainable and make changes for our future generations. And man, like that just makes me so happy. So even if it's not quite, you know, I, I feel like I'm being a little bit fussy because I'm like, yeah, but, and then yes. progress is progress and I should be celebrating that. And I do celebrate that. So yeah, it's been an interesting few days for me just kind of unpacking that for myself. I had no idea that International Women's Day was going to bring up so much for me. <laughs> but I like that. I love that you mentioned that because when I came here, I missed celebrating International Women's Day. And I remember the first first couple of years, I just took a friend out for coffee because that's we celebrated and we celebrate women in our lives of any age yeah um so it felt it felt wrong not to do anything but since I have started seeing it being celebrated and having all these events going around the last couple of years I have done nothing well and didn't hopefully that changes like, <laughs> haven't felt like doing uh anything about it so uh I this year I haven't even posted anything on social media for International Women's Day and I'm just trying to figure out why. Mm. So maybe maybe what you said has some uh, something mm-hmm. underlying like, in, in what I feel as well. Well, Ella, maybe we should plan to meet up next International Women's Day and have a celebration of our own. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> so when we were chatting the other day, we talked a little bit about manifestation and how you know, creating a life that you want is incredible and a very empowering thing to know that you can do, but also how being hyper-focused on any one intention, any one manifestation or any one goal can actually be a little bit distracting or lead to frustration and disappointment if things don't pan out the way that we kind of expect them or want them to. And you said something to me like having the intention and then surrendering is a lot more easeful way to manifest. Can you tell me more about why you believe that to be true? Yes. (laughs) Look, it's a journey with manifestation and with mindset it's it's a journey we have to go through and you know we, we have all this information available available right now we can read books listen to podcasts but we hear people saying how we should do things for them to work better we can't do things in the I mean there is no right or wrong in the better way until the information sinks in and we actually understand it and this with uh, letting go, you always hear that. You you make your wish, uh, you put the message into the universe and then you let go and surrender and enjoy the process. And I keep hear, hearing that and I kept hearing that. And then I think, well, but but how do you do that? Because, uh, you know, you, you need that. You need 
your business to grow, you need that client to sign with you. You need that money to come in. How 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 do you do that? Or in life situations, say you're trying for a baby and it doesn't happen month after month, and then you're like, but how how, how do I surrender and just uh, enjoy the process when it's not happening and I want it to happen now? And it just, it's not. And then you hear that, you think that, uh, and I usually when I learn something new, I try to process the new information Mm -hmm. and I try to correlate to things from my past to see if I can make a connection so the information can sink in better. And this with letting go, I realized that it was such a big part of my philosophy when I was younger and then I just lost it. When I grew up, my mom would always say that I'm so calm. (laughs) Things can happen around me and I'm just unfazed. Uh, I wasn't unfazed. I I just wasn't showing. But uh, yeah, I I could do that when I was younger. Just let go. So do you feel like you were better at manifesting when you were younger because you had this innate ability to to know what you were looking for know what you wanted and then yes. surrender it and trust that it would unfold the way that yes. it was supposed to and then yes so, so what do you think mm-hmm. led to you losing that ability to surrender as you got older um maybe my own confidence being shaken up, maybe life experiences that didn't turn out to be so great. I I don't know, but I know that it's true. And uh, looking back at things that happened because I was able to, I mean, not because I was able to let go, maybe there were other circumstances, but letting go did help a lot, was my admission to to the university. I said that we are going to go back to that (laughs) later in the podcast. It was a very tough exam. My mom came over and she waited for me outside while I was in. It was, I think it went on for about six hours um, when we we needed to do our (laughs) assignments. And I was competing for a scholarship and it was 12 of us competing for one spot. And um, I I prepared for it for a year. I was confident-ish. But then just before going in, I met with people I knew from my high school that studied architecture before I didn't. I I just, I studied parts. They saw me there and like, you're here. You're trying out here. What are you doing here? I didn't know you're trying out for architecture. And I, I just felt so out of place. I went in, did whatever I needed to do, did my best. I'm pretty good at stress, being in stress situations. So I just calmed down and did my thing. Got out. We got our bags, went straight to the train station and onto a train to go back home. And while there, my mom was like, but how did you do? And I was like, Mom, I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> so chill. Okay, my future was hanging on this event. At least that's how it felt at that point. But I was like, fine. I did my best. I couldn't do any better. So mm-hmm. what happens, happens. I, I can't change anything in this moment. So just, just chill. Let me sleep because <laughs> I've worked for six hours straight. I just want, I just want to have a rest. And a few days later, we found out the results and I did 
get my scholarship spot. Yeah, my mom remembers to this day our discussion oh on the train because she was stressing out and just didn't know what to do with herself. And I was like, mom, it's fine. I I did my best. <laughs> yeah, and so there's that kind of innate knowing that you've done what you can, you've taken the aligned action that you can, and whatever pans out afterwards is really the way it's meant to. And it's such a beautiful and almost stress-free way to live life because then you're not uh, trying to control every element. When you're not trying to control every element of your life and your manifestation process, first of all, you open up to potentials and possibilities that you may not have even realized were, you know, in the realm of possibility. And then second of all, you get to go in, show up doing your thing in the best way that you possibly can and with less stress, right? Like just cruisy as knowing that you can back yourself. If you've, you've done the work, you've taken the aligned action, you can back yourself. You know that you've put everything into it and that's all you can do. And now you surrender. It's so such a beautiful way to live life. And when you got the results, <laughs> were you over the moon or were you just like, yeah, I knew I got it? <laughs> no, I was very happy. Mm-hmm. Um and I was always uh, also quite sad because out of the 12 people who were competing for that spot, there were there was a friend of mine who didn't get that spot. So me getting it meant she didn't. So that was a bit sad. <laughs> mm, that is really sad. But I wonder how her life has turned out now. Did she end up doing something that she loved even more? Did better opportunities drop in? Do you know? Well, she actually went for another spot uh, uh, for another specialty and then she transferred to architecture. So she did end up having a scholarship. She just had to work a little bit harder to get it. That's amazing. And also a really beautiful reminder for all of us that when we have a our eyes on the prize for something, even if we don't get it the first time, it's usually because there was some sort of wisdom to be gained through that process. Ella, is there a time in your adult life, kind of since you've moved on from your architecture career, where you have had to set an intention and then like actively surrender it over and and not get too worked up, not cling too tightly to how it panned out? Is there anything that comes to mind in your life? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, my day-to-day. <laughs> Every day, yes. Well, yes. <laughs> Every day when it comes to business, sometimes even when it comes to family life, uh, there are so many moments when I just have to remind myself that it will be best if I surrender and just enjoy and not stress about the outcome. Mm-hmm. There, there always be something. And I often forget. I like what that time when I was young and it was easier to say, mom, I did my best. That's it. Whatever happens, happens. Now I feel like I pressure myself too much into a certain outcome. And it's harder to surrender, but I remind myself every day. And since I have started being more aware of this and I catch myself on trying to pressure things to happen in a certain way, I I just do my best at letting go. 
I guess when we're younger, we haven't got all that conditioning. You kind of mentioned it earlier, life experiences kind of shape and mold us and teach us to be a little bit more protective, be a little bit more controlling. And that carefreeness of our youth is just so fucking beautiful, right? And if we could embody more of that as adults, then wouldn't life be just a little bit more cruisier? I think for myself, I always felt really carefree and just had this sense of just a really beautiful inner sense of like, I know I can do what I want to do. I know that I will do what I need to do to make things happen. And I don't really care what the outcome looks like as long as I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? So I think like this focus of just living a joyful, fulfilling life was a lot more forefront of my not so much my mind, but my being as in my energy when I was younger. And then as you get older, you get distracted by like money and careers and houses and all these things that end up putting pressure on you and take away that focus from just living a joyful, fulfilling life to then having to pay the bills and do things that kind of impact our daily stress levels. Do you think? Yes, that is all true. But um thing is, when we say that you should surrender, let go and enjoy your life without focusing or overly focusing on things you want to happen, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the work or do the best. And I think knowing that you are doing the work and you are doing your best is really helpful in getting into that relaxed state. It's just we need to learn how to do our best and how to do the work just for the sake of building something we love and living the life we love rather than for reaching some specific goals. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because I think keeping your eyes on the prize in terms of and the prize being a fulfilling life, when you know what your core values are, what actually you see for a fulfilling life for yourself, you can almost keep a greater perspective and know that, like you said, as long as you're taking aligned action to create that fulfilling life, then it's all going to be okay, you know, and also really noticing how much you already have created in your own life. I think that's a step that a lot of people miss in their manifestation process is actually giving themselves space to realize like, oh my God, I've already made such an incredible life for myself. Every day I get to wake up in this nice cozy bed, you know, I've got this beautiful outlook, I get fresh air and fresh water and all the beautiful things that we create in our lives. And sometimes we get so future focused that we don't even give ourselves a chance to realize that actually we're living a fulfilling life every fucking day, you know? Yes, that's that's absolutely right. And I couldn't agree more with that. And with myself, I went through phases and through comparison, through feeling like I have failed at things just because I didn't get to the goal or the point I wanted to get to. And then while feeling all stressed out and unhappy, I just stopped and asked myself, like, what's wrong with you? You have the life you have always dreamt about. You have your family. And I have always dreamt of a family and of multiple children. 
I, I live in a country that I love, in a city that I love. I have the business. I love the studio that was my dream and it came true. What else would I want or need? Nothing, just just enjoy. <laughs> and yes. that's what I'm trying to do, to enjoy every day. Yeah, so good. And I mean, I just want to give you huge props and congratulations for that beautiful life that you have already manifested. And also knowing that if you want to, you can create more, but you're totally happy where you are and how what a beautiful, joyful place that is to be, right? Where you are like, fuck, I have got the most amazing life. And if I want to, I can create more abundance, have bigger career goals. I can have a bigger family if I want to, but also it doesn't matter because I'm totally fulfilled with where I am now and what I've created. So good. Yes. <laughs> so I would love to know, because you are a incredibly successful businesswoman, if you had one pearl of wisdom to share with businesswomen or high-achieving women, what would your pearl of wisdom be? I think my first advice is find out who you are, embrace who you are, and then let that influence your life and your business. We often go into business, we build something compared, comparing it to somebody else's business or journey. We follow formulas we get from mentors and we just forget we have to align what we do to who we are. And it often ends up feeling misaligned or just wrong. So the first thing, get to know yourself, accept who you are, because everyone is wonderful and let that sip into everything you do. So good. And the reason I love that so much is because human design literally is about learning to accept every single part of you, every single ounce of your being, your your gifts, your talents, your personality traits. Human design gives you a permission slip, basically. Not that we need a permission slip, but it does. Well, everyone I meet that has a human design reading is like, oh my God, you've just given me permission to be me. And I'm like, yes. And this is why it's so powerful in business, because just as you said, the one thing that we have above anyone else, the one thing that you have as a photographer above anyone else is your unique sprinkle of Alanis that no one else, no matter how hard they try, can access. You are the only one that can share that. You are the only one that can infuse that into everything you do in your life, including your business. And that's why you're so successful because just like you said, we are all wonderful. We all have our own gifts. And the more you let yourself be that, the more you let that ooze into everything you do, the more you're going to attract the right opportunities and the right synchronicities. So that, Ella, was just a mic drop <laughs> pearl of wisdom, if you ask me. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Ella, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I have loved speaking to you and I know the listeners will have found it super inspiring Hearing your story, your journey through being an architect to now having your own business and doing that all while supporting your beautiful family, it's just very, I guess for me, it's eye-opening how, how much time, energy, and love you've put into this, your building your, your life and still maintaining a really sense of grounded fulfillment is just really beautiful. So 
I am just grateful for you spending time with us. Well, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care, Ella. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I definitely feel as if I've come away with a refreshed sense of what it means to simultaneously keep my eyes on the prize and also just enjoy all the beautiful things that I already have in my life. And I hope you have too. I'd love to encourage you to give yourself a fist bump, a bit of a high five for the life that you've created for yourself. And also know that there is so much more to come. If you liked what you heard and are keen to find out more, like, subscribe, and maybe you could even share the episode with a friend so that you can start leveling up together. Take care, stay safe, and keep milking the shit out of life. I will see you in the next one.